Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Thank you, worship team, and for everyone serving this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we just, again, just are so thankful for your presence and We can feel you here. It's tangible. It's not something we dream up or make up, but God, you are alive and well. Jesus is alive forevermore, and we just believe it. God, these are the moments we long for, where we can gather together, and that veil between heaven and earth is peeled back for just a moment, and we can get a glimpse, a taste of what is to come. And God, I just pray for everyone here. God, I don't know who this message is for today. But I pray, God, that you would encourage our faith, that maybe we've prayed for things in the past that we didn't see come to fruition, or we've believed and hoped for things before, and and that it didn't come to pass the way that maybe we expected, and so it caused our faith to take a step back. But I pray, God, today as we dive into your word, as we see what you are showing and revealing to us, God, that you would encourage us again to go after it again to go after your promises, to go after faith, to know that, that your word is true. And if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not unto our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge you, you will direct our path. If we commit our plans to the Lord, we will succeed because God, you are a good God. You're a mighty God and you have great things planned for those who trust in you. So God, bring healing into our lives today, even if it's healing of past experiences, healing of maybe promises that, or dreams that didn't come true, God. Bring us into that place of healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. If we agree together, we say amen, amen, amen. Welcome, and welcome to those that are new here today. We're, we believe everyone matters to God, so you matter, and we thank, thank you for joining us, and for those joining online We appreciate you continuing this journey with us. We know during this season, it's kind of awkward as we're navigating kind of how to respect our government and the authority that's over us, but still remain true, stay true to the scripture and to um, what God has commanded us to do as followers of Christ. And one of the blessings that we get to uh, just respond to, to the Lord is gathering together for worship. And, and I'm thankful that the restrictions were lifted so that we could do that and that you're here with us this morning. There's something special about gathering with the church. It's just special. You can't do this Christian life alone and be what everything God is creating you to be. You need people around you to build up, encourage you. We need your gifts to be strengthened. So we're in this series called Healing for the Nations, and it's not just because we're going through this time of pandemic. It's really because I believe this is part, this is God's heart. This is his dream. If we had to, if we had a direct line to heaven right now where we could put God on speakerphone and say, God, what is your dream for the world? I believe he would say that you would be healed and be whole, that there'd be no lack in you. That this is God's will. This is his dream, his vision. The problem is, is we live in a broken world. And so there are a lot of things that are not lining up to what his divine plan is for us. And this brings us to this week. And and I'm sad for the events of this week because the body of Christ has been dealt a major blow. And, And not one that would 
come against the work of God, but we have lost another great saint this week, a man by the name of Ravi Zacharias. He is a Christian apologist, and that word apologist doesn't mean we make apologies for being Christians. That word is a, a, a big churchy word that just means a defender of the Christian faith. And so he went all over the world. He was invited to multiple countries, Muslim countries, Hindu countries, all over the world to speak about the Christian of faith. And the rational even spoke to atheists, went to college universities. You can go online to YouTube right now and see many of the lectures and debates that he had with even atheists debating the rational uh, just um, just belief of Christianity and how you can have a rational mind and still be a Christian. You're not irrational for believing God exists. And he put to language the, the Christian faith in a way that I think has been unseen since of the likes of C.S. Lewis and, and people of that nature. He's just an incredible man. He challenged me to think deeper about my Christian faith, and I believe he'll forever go down in church history as one of the greatest thinkers and, and philosophers, communicators of our time. And this is, this is a perfect segue, even though it's a sad loss, similar to when Billy Graham died. That was a sad loss for the church it's important as we're talking about healing for the nations because the question is, if God's will is healing, if that's what he desires for every one of us, then why did Ravi Zacharias die? Why did he get cancer? Why did his cancer go unhealed? And why did he die? Why did he die? Why do people of faith die? Right? If we believe God heals and he's the healer and the Bible says by his stripes we are healed, that this is his will for the church, his will for the people, part of what he's cultivating in the kingdom of God, then why do these things still happen? And so we're going to begin looking at biblically reasons why people do not get healed. And it's important we understand this because there have been many beliefs that have come out of religious error, have come out of false beliefs, false teachings that have led people astray and, and poor families going through difficult times have been taught, if you just do this, you'll get your healing. The healing didn't come and then what's left? It's a, it's a chasm between either there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with the Word of God. And if there's something wrong with the Word of God, then that pulls me away from faith rather than urging me to press into it. And so we need to understand theologically what the Bible teaches us about healing and why sometimes people don't get healed so that we're not running on false assumptions, but so that we can walk in even greater faith knowing that, that the Bible is true and God is faithful. So this is a question. So we're going to begin. We're, there's six different things that I see in Scripture as to why when people pray for healing, people aren't healed. We're not going to cover all of those. We're really going to just look at one today. But this is... Uh, an important subject for me, and, and I, I just believe this has been something that has created a divide in the body of Christ, and one of the reasons why many choose the route of what church leaders call cessationism, which is a belief that believes the gifts of the Spirit have ceased for today, that God doesn't work miraculously through the body of Christ or believers, that that was just for a time in the past, and now that we have the Bible, we don't need any of those things anymore. We have the Scripture. And I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed yesterday, he's going to heal today. Amen? 
You know, if he parted the waters of the Red Sea yesterday, he'll part something else tomorrow. This is just part of who he is. He's a miraculous, miracle-making God. In Ephesians, it says he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could ask or think by the mighty power at work within us. That there's a power through the Holy Spirit that God does miraculous things. And it's just as relevant today as it was before. But there are reasons why we often don't see maybe what we're asking for. Why people don't get healed. And, and we'll look at Scripture, and this is a, a difficulty. When you're studying Scripture, you got to understand the context of the verses you're reading so that you don't take things out of context. Because often, when we're talking about healing, people will quote out of Isaiah 53, and then also in the New Testament in Peter, where it says, by his stripes we are what? Healed, right? And I believe that is because of the cross that healing is possible. That it, that is a truth. But we will use that verse and then back up our false belief about it, creating the heresy. And it's an unintentional heresy, but I believe it is still something that's bringing damage into faith in the body of Christ and building us up. And so what I want us to, to look at is look at this subject biblically. There is something that often happens, and I've seen this even when I've prayed for healing for someone. Often I'll pray, and, and if the healing doesn't come, someone that's praying with me might say, well, brother, well, sister, you just got to claim that healing. You just got to claim that healing, and, and you'll be healed. The problem is, is that's a false belief. That's not biblical, okay? We believe the Scripture. We believe the truth of God's Word. But if you want to know how healing works, you got to look at Jesus, right? Jesus is the expressed image of God. He came here to demonstrate not only that he was Messiah, but to demonstrate that not just that he could do miracles, but that we could do them also through the power of the Holy Spirit. He demonstrated how to live a life that glorifies God, right? So if we want to look at how the healing power works, how mirac miracles work, we look and we study the life of Jesus. And you would be taken back if you ever read a story about Jesus where he prayed for somebody, the person didn't get healed, and he just said, well, you just got to claim your healing, brother, right? I mean, think about that. You know, was there ever a time in the life of Christ where he prayed for someone to be healed and they didn't walk away healed? No, the lame always leapt. The blind always saw. The leper was always miraculously healed. There was never this time where someone walked away unhealed and he just said, you just got to claim it. So we have to get away from what's become Christian norms, and we have to get back to Scripture. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Biblical authority is so key to the Christian life. It is the truth. Everything else is false. The Bible is true. So we don't claim our healing. We believe His promises, but we don't claim our healing. So let me be incredibly clear. If someone prays for you to be healed, and you are not healed, you are not healed. If you have a broken arm and someone prays for you to be healed and it still hurts, you are not healed. Okay? That doesn't mean God won't heal you, but in that moment, you are not healed. We can believe His promises, but we have to get away from error in the body of Christ. And there's a reason why often the healing doesn't come. And it's not because God doesn't want to heal. But there are other factors that are at work that often get in the way of the healing that is to come. And this is found really key in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. In Romans 8, 23, here's what Paul tells the church. He says, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a, what's that say? 
a foretaste of future glory. We have the Holy Spirit within us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living in you, but it's a foretaste of future glory. That's like going to Applebee's and getting the menu and ordering off the menu. And they've got some great things. Anybody like the spinach dip at Applebee's? That's like a staple in our family. We're, we're some spinach dip kind of family. But you can order other things like the sampler platter. You know, you get the cheese sticks, you get some spin dip, you get some wings. That's enough to fill you as a meal, right? But even if that's what you order and you get full off the appetizer, there's still an entire menu that has been left untapped for you, right? This is the same thing that applies to us in the Christian life. We have the Holy Spirit, but it's a foretaste of future glory. Other translators will say the first fruits of the Spirit. It is the first fruits. That refers to bringing in a crop. It's the first part of the crop that is cultivated from the field. Well, it might be the first, but it's not the whole field. It's just the first part. And so what we have from God is not everything that God has planned and God has promised. There is more to this life in Christ. There's more to this life of faith that is yet to come. It's not complete now. And Paul continues to clarify. He says, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights as adopted children. Somebody say full rights. Our full rights as adopted children. Well, if we're waiting for full rights, what does that mean? It means right now we have partial rights. If you're in Christ, your name is written in heaven. You belong to the Lord. You have what Jesus came to provide, eternal life in Christ our Lord, but you are not yet experiencing the fullness and the reality of the life that Jesus came to provide, that abundant life. It's just a glimpse. It's just an appetizer. He's wetting the appetite, so to speak. And part of what is coming is the new body he's promised us. And this is so key because if we had full rights now, we would be completely and fully redeemed. We would be completely and fully whole. But has anybody here reached the perfection of Christ? Show of hands. You're perfect like Jesus. Right? Scripture says when we see him face to face, we will be like him. We will know him as we are known. We will be just like him. We will achieve the full and complete standard and measure of Christ. And none of us has reached that. Why? Because we have yet to receive the fullness of the promise, of the blessing. Paul continues, and I, and I want to be clear that the death of Christ, his death and resurrection, conquered sin and death. When Jesus went into the grave, it wasn't to spend, you know, vacation for three days. It was to do battle. He battled against death. He led all those that had died before that were held captive by death into glory. When he rose from dead, matter of fact, you read the scripture, when he rose from the dead, other people raised up too. There, there are resurrections that happened when he rose. Why? Because he bankrupt hell when he went into the earth. And he went into heaven in triumphant victory over sin and over death. So the, all authority belongs to Christ. Everything through the blood of Jesus is atoned for. He has overturned uh, the curse that has been upon this earth. But not all the curses have been released from the earth. Only a portion of the curses have been overturned. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, Paul's instructing the church of Galatia. He says, This way of faith is very different from the way of the law. 
which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. This is the Jewish understanding. When God appeared to Moses and he gave him the law on Mount Sinai, they recorded the law down, all the Levitical instructions, all the Deuteronomy and uh, laws and decrees, everything Israel was to obey, they were given this law. And at the end of the law, God said, if you love me and faithfully obey my commandments, does that sound familiar? Love me and obey my commandments, then all will be well with you. So this was their understanding. If we just keep the law, everything will be all good. But he says, though this is their understanding, verse 13, Christ has rescued us from the what? The curse pronounced by the, the law. When did the law begin? It began at Moses. So here is what he's talking about. The curse pronounced by the law when Jesus was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the what? Scriptures, the Old Testament, the law. Cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So it's important that we understand when Christ came, he primarily came not for the whole world, but for the Jews. He came, that's why it says, to the Jew first, then also the Greek. He came to redeem his chosen people, the Jewish people, to fulfill the requirements of the law and satisfy the wrath that was being poured out on them because of their failure to keep the law. And our God, he's so good, he's not just a good enough God. When God blesses, he blesses over and above. That's why in Psalm 23, it says, my cup runneth over, right? He doesn't just put juice in the cup, he makes it overflow. So when Christ gave his life, he didn't just satisfy the law, he also opened the door of faith to the entire world because God does so love the world that he gave his one and only son. So he came to free Israel from the curse and to open the door of faith to the Gentile nations. So the question is, is what is the curse of the law? What are the curses pronounced by the law that Jesus fulfilled in the cross? What was curses against their health? their wealth, their prosperity, their economy, safety and security, their agriculture, their land, their ability to conceive children without hindrance, their ability to remain in the promised land and dwell in the presence of God. These are all these promises that God gave, poured out his favor. But if they did not believe, if they did not obey, then curses would be unleashed. So we're going to read kind of a summary of the curses in Deuteronomy 28 to give you an idea of what Jesus overturned in the cross. Now, we're not going to read the whole thing because there's a ton of curses. This is just the summary at the end of the chapter. But there are, and I'd encourage you to go back and read it. It's horrifying. It's terrifying to think that by disobedience, this would be unleashed against the nation. But in Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse 58, here's what God says. If you refuse to obey all the words of the instruction that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm you and your children with indescribable plagues. These plagues will be intense and without relief, making you miserable and unbearably sick. He will afflict you with all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and you will have no relief. The Lord will afflict you with every sickness and plague there is, even those not mentioned in the book of instruction until you are destroyed though you become as numerous as the stars in the sky few will be left because you would not listen to our god 
Just as the Lord has found great pleasure in causing you to prosper and multiply, the Lord will find pleasure in destroying you. We need to pause here and understand God has great pleasure, takes great pleasure in prospering and blessing his people. It thrills the Lord. He wants to bless you. He wants to overflow your cup with blessing. But just as powerful and passionate is his grace, his mercy, his love, and his tender kindness, so is his righteousness, his justice, and his holiness. So he wants to overflow, and he's saying, I want to bless you. Here's the pathway to blessing. Follow my decrees and my commands, but if not, you're going to experience the other side, the wrath, the justice, the righteousness, and the holiness. Verse 64. For the land will scatter you among the nations from one end to the other. You will worship foreign gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known, gods made of wood and stone. There among those nations you'll find no place of peace and rest, and the Lord will cause your heart to tremble, your eyesight to fail, your soul to despair. Your life will constantly hang in the balance. You'll live night and day in fear, unsure if you will survive. How many of you want to sign up for that contract? Now you get a glimpse of what Israel was under. They were under a conditional relationship with God. I'm so thankful for the cross because we are under an unconditional relationship with God. Let that sink in for a minute. One sacrifice for all time. But they were under a conditional relationship with God. Paul tells us in Romans that the law was given not to lead us to righteousness, but to reveal how sinful we actually are. It was like a mirror. When you read the Bible, you don't read the Bible. It reads you, and it reveals how sinful you are and how much you need a Savior. It did this so that when the Savior came, they would be ready to receive him. But instead, they rejected him. But this is why Jesus came. He came on a mission to rescue the people that he called out and that he loved, his special chosen people. The curses Jesus endured were the curses that would be unleashed by Israel's disobedience to the law. And you can read their history all throughout the Old Testament. Time and time again, they forgot the Lord. Time and time again, they turned and served other gods. And time and time again, they left the blessing and place of favor and entered into the place of cursing. In Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah, when he says, our weaknesses he carried, our strife, or our sins and iniquities he bore, he's speaking of not just the world, but of the nation of Israel. It was us. We were his sheep, and we went astray. It was us that, that in, caused the Lord to have to endure the cross. He was speaking primarily of the Jewish people. But that sacrifice, again, was sufficient not just to justify the Jews, but to save and bring salvation to all the world. So just because Jesus took on himself the curses of the law of Moses... The covenant God made with Israel, there was yet another law that was not written on stone tablets that was broken long before the law ever came, that unleashed a curse into the world long before God ever called out Moses and drew them through the Red Sea. And it is the primary reason in our world today that people don't get healed, the primary reason. And it is this, that the curse of death is still in place on the earth. The curse of death, which was created by sin, is still readily in place. Why? Because sin still exists. We wrestle with the sinful nature. Sin still exists in the world. Therefore, death is still reigning 
over the earth. Even though the power of sin and death is broken and all authority is, belongs to the Lord, sin and death still exist. And the curse is in place. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, the writer of Hebrews gives us a glimpse of God's program of salvation, really the overall picture of what Jesus did and is doing and will do in the future. In Hebrews 9, 27 through 28, it says, just as each person is destined to what? Die once, and then comes the judgment. There is a day appointed for every person. The old must die, the young may die. There is not a guarantee how long we live on this earth. But what is a guarantee is every one of us will die at some point. There's a day appointed. Some people die before their time, and God graciously raises them from the dead because of things in their life and things he wants to reveal into the world. But there is a day where we will all sleep, and if you're in Christ, you will go be with the Lord. And there's nothing we can do that can escape that. It's appointed. There are not a, there's no amount of prayers that can be prayed that can cause that day to change. God in his mercy may give you extra time, but there is a day that is appointed for you, which is why even though thousands and thousands of people were praying for Ravi Zacharias, why this whole community, not even a year ago, prayed and called on God for years for a young boy only nine years old, he still died of cancer. Even though we believed and we had visions and we thought God was going to heal them and we trusted the Lord and we declared promises and we spoke scripture and we walked in faith, death still occurred and God did not raise him. Why? Because there was a day appointed for his death. And there's a day appointed for each and every one of us, which is why the time that we have is so precious. Why we all need to make sure that we are right with the Lord, that we have a relationship with God, because there's no guarantee how long we have. There is a day appointed. So in verse 28, it says, Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. This is why he came to begin with. He came to take away the sin to pay the penalty of sin that's been unleashed since Genesis chapter 3, when sin first entered into the world. He dealt with sin, and then the rest of the verse says, then he's coming again not to deal with sin, because he already dealt with sin, but now he's coming to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him. What a glorious day that will be, church. The day Christ returns. I'm, I'm so looking forward to that day. So the first time Jesus came was to deal with sin. It was to deal with the cause of the curse. It's just like in the medical field. When you get sick, the doctor doesn't just want to treat symptoms. He wants to find the cause so that by curing the cause, the symptoms will go away. So Jesus came first to deal with the cause. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. People sinned even before the law was given, the law of Moses, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. Before the law was given, people still died. Why? Because the law in Genesis 3, the spiritual law that was broken, has passed to all creation, not just humanity. Everything is headed towards destruction. Creation groans to be redeemed from this curse of death. Verse 14, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, just as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol representing a representation of Christ who is yet to come. So Jesus came 
to deal with the sin problem. And he dealt with it once and for all on the cross. Broke the power of death, claimed the keys of authority. But just because he accomplished that on the cross does not mean all the blessings given have come. We're still waiting on the second part of that. We're still waiting for him to return. Luke 21, 28, Jesus is talking about the end of the world. The disciples asked him, what's it going to be like when you return? So he starts telling them all of these future events. And here's what he says. When all of these things begin to happen, stand up and look for your what? Your salvation is coming. Right? So we, we say this often in church language. We say, repent of your sins, turn to God, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. We are not fully saved, but we are completely safe in his arms. Our names are written in heaven. We belong to the Lord. But salvation, true and complete salvation, comes when Jesus returns to the earth. He's returning to the earth. And why is he returning? Because he already dealt with sin. Now he's returning to deal with death. He dealt with sin. Now he's returning to deal with death. And this is not a New Testament understanding. This goes back even to the Old Testament and the writings of Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah 67, beginning in verse 17, he says, Look, I'm creating new heavens and new earth. Does that sound familiar? Right out of Revelation 21, Paul, John in Revelation 21 is revealing an Old Testament truth that God has spoken before time that new heavens and new earth are going to be created. And here's what he says. He says, No one will even think about the old ones anymore. Right? We, we get this question a lot from our kids, you know, you know, well, what's it going to be like in heaven? Or we get that question asked, you know, are we, gonna, are we still going to live in our house? Or are we still going to live together? Or, or all this stuff. And we think about, you know, how is it going to be different than the way the world is now? The new heaven and the new earth are going to be so amazing, we won't even remember this one. The presence of God is going to be completely unleashed on the world, and there will not be a place where he cannot be found. And there won't be a place that's not touched by his blessing and his favor. It's going to be unlike anything we have ever seen or experienced. And it will make this one not even a distant memory. He, that's why it says in 18, Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I'll create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I'll rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they've lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at a hundred. Anybody feeling old today? If you're not a hundred, then you're still an infant in the new heaven and the new earth. Hundred will not even be considered old. In those days, people will live in the houses they build. They'll eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. For they are people blessed by the Lord. Their children, too, will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I'll go ahead and answer their prayers. How amazing that even before we can utter the words, the provision has already been made. What a glorious understanding of our eternity. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. And this cracks me up. It says, but the snake will eat dust. 
who's the snake? And what's he get to eat? A whole lot of my dust. He's under feet. He's underfoot. He is no more. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. You see, when Messiah comes, this is what the Israelites are looking for. This is why they have a hard time believing in Jesus, because they're only looking for the kingdom that is coming, and they missed the first part, the dealing with sin. But when Jesus returns, he is coming not to deal with sin because that is done. He's coming to overturn death and remove its stain on this, crea- on this created world. And he's going to make all things new as if it had never been touched by sin or death before. In that day, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, we will declare, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Death has a sting. With its curse comes a sting, comes a power that comes against the people of the earth and and all of creation. Death has tainted this creation from Adam until now. But when Jesus comes again to bring ultimate salvation, the cause of sickness and death, the cause of each one of our days that's appointed for us to die will be done in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. He says, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies will be transformed into immortal bodies. I wholeheartedly believe God's will is for everyone to be healed. But until death is no more, we will continue to struggle against its effects. We will continue to struggle against its power. As we age, our bodies will continue to wear out, break down. Deficiencies will arise. We'll have aches and pains and have dysfunctions. As you get older, eyes begin to dim, ears begin to lose their hearing. Metabolism slows down, muscle and bone development deteriorates and other issues develop out of simply the curse of aging, which is part of the curse of death. And we deal with this because in the present moment, death still has a hold on us. See, if you're 45 and you put in a hard day's work, you can't expect to bounce back like you could when you were five. If you're 65, you can't expect to bounce back like you were 45. Why? Because of the curse of of death that's upon you. We are all inching closer and closer to that appointed day, which is why sickness and death, struggle, infirmity continue to plague our bodies. First Corinthians 15, 54 says, Then when our bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and that law gives sin its power. There's a day coming where in the new heaven and new earth we'll not have to deal with the curse of aging any longer. How many of you wake up with a sore back, with a sore neck? How many of you deal with aches and pains all day long? That is no more. Your youth will be returned and be forever. See, today, God may heal you of 
an issue. You might have a shoulder or an elbow that's, that's misplaced or, or, or malfunctioning. God may heal your elbow, but you still wear glasses. I mean, that's reality, right? I mean, God may heal, heal your shoulder, but yet you still need a hip replacement. Why? Because our bodies are continuing to break down. I, I get kind of tickled at people. Every time they get a new ache and pain, they blame the devil. It's like, oh, it's the devil. No, it's your old. It's not the devil. You're getting older, right? You know, you need a new neck pillow or whatever it is that you need. You know, you've worked on your hands and knees for 25 years. Of course, you're going to be in pain. It's not always the devil's fault. Sometimes it's just the curse of sin and death being revealed in your body, which ought to key us into how's our relationship with God. It should point us to Jesus and our need for a Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, what church? My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So I am glad to boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am truly strong. Why did Paul boast about his weakness? Why did he glory in his weakness? Because in his weakness, the power of God could be made stronger. Many of us in our day, we're searching and searching and searching for the healing, but it might be in the infirmity God wants to use his power to change somebody else's life. It might be the fact that you are going into the hospital for the knee surgery or the hip surgery, that you have a conversation with a doctor that needs an encounter with God. You see, our vision is so short-sighted and we're constantly trying to put coins in the spiritual vending machine asking God for healing and, and miracles and this, that. We're looking for the blessing. We're not really pursuing the one who gives the blessing. And God is inviting us into a better story. Not that we need to be completely transformed and completely healed before we can walk in His power, but He's inviting you now in your weakness, in your brokenness to walk into the power of God. To be a testimony and how great, there's, there's, I wish I had time to show the video, but there's a video I saw online of this girl who has cystic fibrosis and she had only 20% lung function. And so she had to constantly be on a uh, breathing machine and breathing tube, had to go into the doctor all the time uh, to do different tests and different surgeries. And she would take her air container wherever she went and she would pray for healing at, at stores, at, you know, wherever she was. And God would work powerfully through her. Imagine if someone like that walked up to you and said, can I pray for you? Think of the testimony. Somebody in a wheelchair saying, can I pray for you? You see, we think we need to be fully healed and restored before we can walk in the power of God. And God's saying, no, in your weakness, my power is made stronger. It's made evident. Don't wait. Walk. Walk in the Lord. So as a church, as a body of Christ, we pray for healing. Why? Because healing is one of the primary ways God reveals his heart to people. He's commanded us to be the hands and feet and to pray for healing. God wants to partner with us to reveal his goodness in the world. But let us not be discouraged as we go through life if the healing doesn't come because that's not the goal. The goal is holiness, is being completely the Lord's. We thank God for the healing. We believe God 
for healing. We believe God to fulfill his promises, but we recognize that until either we see him face to face or Jesus comes back, it'll be that moment when the fullness of our salvation will be revealed. The fullness of everything he's promised will be revealed in us. And until that time, we still wrestle with this flesh and with this cursed body and this cursed world. Isaiah 57, verse 1. It's the last passage of Scripture I want to leave with you today. It's a passage of Scripture that God led me to as I began to perform funerals for, for folks. And it's really been an encouragement to me. And here's what it says. It says, Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. Even in death, God has good in store for you. And it just might be that a person isn't healed, not because God didn't love them or didn't care or wasn't compassionate. It might be because he knew what was coming down the line and he was saving them from enduring that struggle. We have to get our minds outside of these Christian-isms that we've created and these things that are born out of, out of false belief, and we need to get back to the Word and see what the Scripture says and believe God because His thoughts for us are always good. He will never leave us or forsake us. His plans for us are good and not for disaster to give us a future and a hope, but the fullness of what we have been given will not be revealed until we see Jesus face to face. So let me encourage you, church, he is coming back. That day is coming, and we're closer now than it, they were 2,000 years ago. And if the world keeps going the way it is, we need to make sure we're listening for that trumpet. Because when it sounds, game over. Amen? Amen. Well, let's bow for prayer. So prayer music begins to play. And I just want to encourage you that you are not... You are not unseen by God. If you are struggling with infirmity, if you are struggling with sickness, we want to pray for you. If you're struggling with aches and pains, we want to pray for you. Why? Because God cares. He does. And so we want to believe the promises. We want to believe in the authority of the Holy Spirit, that healing is part of the gifts God gave to the church to build us up and to encourage us. And we believe God does and will heal. And if it doesn't happen today, don't lose faith because we'll pray for you again next week. We'll continue to pray throughout the week. We'll continue to partner our faith together until God's will is done in your life. But whatever is going on in your life, wherever you are, maybe you don't need a physical healing, but you need spiritual healing. Maybe you battle depression, anxiety, fear. Maybe you're going through issues in your relationship issues with marriage or a spouse. Or maybe, just maybe, you're searching for meaning in life. You don't know why you exist. And you've come here today because you're looking for an answer. If whatever is on your heart, whatever the Spirit is speaking to you, the next few moments, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And I want to invite you to come forward to meet my wife and I down here in this first row of seats. So we'd be happy to pray with you. And if more come, we'll, we'll get more down here praying, but we want to be the church together. If you're dealing with issues in your body and you would like the church to pray for you, 
then I would encourage you right now just to stand your feet and we'll get people to surround you and to pray over you right where you are. You don't even need to come. We believe in the power of prayer and the power of the church when it comes together to pray bold faith that miracles happen. So if you're struggling in any way right now, right where you are, and you would like us to pray for you, just stand your feet and we'll get people to, to surround you and pray for you. And for the next few moments, let's just seek the Lord and respond to what he's laying on our heart. And then we'll end with communion. God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that this is not all there is, that there is more to come. And we thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who's been given to us to give us a glimpse of that glory that is to come. I just pray, God, that we would not get discouraged as we battle through this life, especially as we age and get older and the curse of death becomes more apparent in our body. Even in the season of life where we contemplate passing away, God, that we would not become discouraged, but we become overjoyed for the closer we get to seeing you face to face, whether in this life or the next, the closer we get to realizing the fullness of the promise of Christ. Our complete adoption rights as children of God. God, I pray that we would be empowered today to walk in faith no matter what our circumstance that we don't have to be fully healed to walk in the power of God. We don't have to be fully redeemed to share of what Jesus has done in our lives. We just have to be available. We just have to be willing. And we just have to trust in you and your word. And God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, that not only did you conquer sin and death, not only did you overturn the curses of the law, but you made it possible for those who are not even of the house of Israel to come and be a part of the blessing, to be saved, that your love far exceeded one people group and extended to the whole world. And Jesus, we thank you that on the cross, that you are carrying all of our sins. That you died so that you could free us all from death. And God, let that hope arise in us now as we look to heaven. As we long for our true home, and that is in your presence. 
to the day when the new heavens and the new earth come and these old ones pass away and every tear is wiped from our eyes because we no longer have to struggle we no longer have to bear the sting of death Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.